second episode of On the Grid, a podcast about the makers, creators, and newsbreakers that are transforming Phoenix into a thriving cultural metropolis. This is a place where you can learn about what's really happening in Phoenix. My name is Philip Haldeman, and I'll be your host. I have about a decade's worth of experience as a journalist covering a number of communities throughout the valley. I and my friend Chris Ayers created this podcast to dispel negative images about the city we live in. We will show that Phoenix is steeped in creative soil and rich with stories. But first, the news. Welcome to the Stale News for the week of February 15, 2016. We call it the Stale News because it's very likely that by the time you listen to this, the following news items will be old. But for posterity and to serve as a signpost along the highway of our lives, here is the news for the week of February 15, 2016. One of Central Phoenix's newest venues, the Rebel Lounge, was closed part of this week due to an incident during a performance by a group called Three Bad Jacks. Apparently, the band started a fire in front of the stage and caused water damage to the club, resulting in the cancellation of at least three shows. In other news, body cameras are coming to Maricopa County. In an effort to improve productivity and provide more accountability of patrol deputies' work performances in the field, the Maricopa County Sheriff's Office announced this week the deployment of body cameras to sheriff's deputies in all patrol districts. The cameras are clipped onto sunglasses worn by each deputy. They are turned on at the beginning of a public contact and off when complete. At the end of each shift, the video is then downloaded at the district substations. Also this week, Gamage Auditorium announced that the hit off-Broadway musical Hamilton will be coming to Tempe for the 2017-2018 season. And, as I say these words, that musical just was awarded a Grammy for Best Musical Theater Album. And lastly, spring training starts March 1st. That's the stale news for this episode. And now, on with the show. For a number of years now, partiers have been dancing the night away atop Barsmith in downtown Phoenix. And more recently, revelers have taken up the space next door known as the Monarch Theater. Pete Salas, the owner of those venues, has brought music home to downtown Phoenix on Washington Street. But now, he's taken urban art out the back door. There's an activation project gaining traction behind those buildings as we speak. The project intends to beautify the alley between 1st and 2nd Street, south of Adams and north of Washington. And Pete Salas is here to tell us all about it. Pete, thanks for being here. Tell everybody about this unique project you have going on behind your business. Uh, Right now, um, we're just in the process of trying to get the alley activated. That is the... um, the going word for right now. Um, and that just means we want to beautify the alley. Um, we'd like to add more artwork. Maybe. What do you see when you walk past there? Like when you go in your Cur- alley, what Currently you what you see is already existing artwork, um, some finished, unfinished artwork, and lots of um, trash bins and maybe a kind of a unpaved, paved road, if you will. Um, and this artwork is basically all urban art, kind of graffiti. Art, yeah, it's, right? it's it's kind of graffiti. I would call it more mural mural stuff. There is graffiti stuff back there, mostly on the trash bins. Um, but there are existing murals by several people back there that are uh, that are, are kind of timeless pieces, mm-hmm. I would say. And you've been um, the owner of Barsmith for about six years now. Yeah, for about six years, I and, would say. And so, when did this artwork start popping up back there? 
And the, how did you react? Yeah, the first one was um, by Thomas Marcus Breeze, who's a good friend of mine, and he did a piece on the west end of the alley, and it's a large phoenix, uh, phoenix rising, symbolic of our city, obviously. Over by the pizza place, Over right? by the Piazza Pizza right now, yes. Um, but obviously that that put the thought in many other artists' you know, head. Uh, then there was another artist... Um... Carlos Rivas. Carlos Rivas, yeah. Carlos Rivas, uh, he had had um, a workshop uh, behind Alak, um, which is basically a, it's a Hispanic um, advocacy group. Basically. Yeah, yeah. So, Your neighbor, so like a Latino arts uh, program that's been existent back there, and um, they push arts in the Latino community. And he got permission to hold his. Um, workspace back there so he would every night roll up the garage play some music or listen to the music that was going on at the clubs and just work art all the time he was a workhorse I, I got to give it to him that guy worked harder than any other person I've ever seen in the art world and you've got and, all uh, these customers that are leaving the bar or whatever yeah a lot of times we would uh, people would come through the alley uh just to kind of see if they could sneak through the back of the club or, you know, a lot of the VIPs kind of come through the alley. And so he kind of built a little following back there. They would always stop off and he got to know our clientele and they got to know him and he was always selling art back there. And one day he approached us and he just asked us if he could do the back of Bar Smith. And uh, he didn't ask for any pay or anything. Um, he just asked, he just said he'd take care of it. But now... I mean, I went there a week or two ago, and like, you've got murals on the trash cans and a few other murals yeah. throughout the alley. So, I mean, was that just a matter of the artist getting permission to paint? Yeah, that was the art stuff is all on the artist um, at this point in time. They just get permission from whoever owns the building, and then they can do it. And so, if you notice on the, it's uh, like being inside the bowels of graffiti art or something like that, like. I yeah, mean, it looks like really a, cool. Yeah, it's like a tunnel of art in a right, way. Right, like exactly, a, yeah. yeah. So yeah. so by the end of this whole project, whole alleyway project, um, we're pretty much looking at most of the walls being covered by art, right? I hope, Otherwise. yeah. Um, there's not very many existing pieces once Alak finishes the north side. You have uh, the M1 building, um, which is giant. It's a big piece, and they're going to be a very significant part of uh, an alley project that we're kind of getting going um and then of course there's marley's and another club called lux um that are still blank at this point um so the the art spaces are closing up right yeah. but this is more than just art because uh we've got a, a bunch of people that are working on the alleyway um because you walk past there you walk through the alleyway it kind of stink it's really i mean it's not the most the art is great but it's kind of dirty and nasty smelly right. and all that stuff so um, there's another group called This Could Be Phoenix. Correct. Because they're going to do a lot of uh, planning, a lot of the uh, more aesthetics to the alleyway. So how did you get involved with those guys? Okay, well, This Could Be Phoenix is just uh, a part of the group that is going to try and uh, uh, beautify the alley. Okay, there's so a the number way, of people. Yeah, there's, a, yeah. there's other, uh, a couple other factions involved, but they are definitely an integral part. Um, and they, are, they were... Uh, on the early part of the process of planning this out. Because um, we are having them, they're coming on right after you. So we're curious how you, how you got to know them and how. Yeah, um, in a, uh, I'll back up just a second. During 
the time that Alec was already trying to uh, secure their wall and plans for that wall, uh, unbeknownst to me or, or unbeknownst to them, I was also planning something or yes. trying to plan something. So my partner and I, Veronica uh, Goldweber, she's a writer. At the time, she was working for ASU in, in the um, foundation department where she would um, try to secure large donations for the for the for ASU. She was a great writer, and I knew I needed something like that to talk city lingo, if you will. Gotcha. So her and I just started cranking out a proposal on what we would like to see the alley become. Cleaning it up, getting rid of the trash bins, new paving, uh, new lighting, uh, innovative stuff, you know. But we quickly found out that we were we didn't have a lot of artillery to work with, so... Artillery uh, meaning um, we just you know we needed we felt like we needed some type of designer uh, gotcha. you know some we needed in order to present this to who knows who at the right. time we needed somebody who knew people we needed somebody had who the tools could, to had the tools well. to present it to take it to the next level gotcha. and we knew that we didn't have that I knew a lot of people but I you know I didn't want to just draw on a uh, piece of paper what I thought the alley could look like uh, I thought we needed help and I I because we were were downtown activists and we're always doing stuff i had my eye on this one group called this could be phoenix because they were doing some really cool things and i i, I told veronica i said i think we need to meet these people or and actually i think it was ray cabrera with downtown phoenix inc who also told us about them so it was kind of like hey these people keep popping up on our radar you. we should probably attend one of the events and talk to them you talked a little bit of, about fundraising. What are some of the few steps that you guys are working on right now to kind of see it move forward? Right now, we've had several meetings. And again, unbeknownst to us, the city has uh, a group um, to try and gather information about activating alleys at the same time that we're doing this. So we've already presented to the city and they're using our project as kind of like their model to do other alleys from now on. So they're kind of watching us right now. And because there's no precedent, everything is like, okay, let's figure this out. You know, we're, people after us are probably going to have it a lot easier. So you're kind of like, in a way, it's kind of like the pilot program. We're like a pilot of. program, exactly. And, and I don't, at this point in time, to be honest, I don't know where funding is coming from. There are grants out there. We know it. The city does have some type of money. We know it. Going through the city is definitely a lot of red tape. You know, they have to talk to talk to people, this and that, who gets what money. And But we also are, our group now has grown to the point where we have a lot of fundraising people. So if we can come to the city and say, hey, look, we can raise this amount of money and donate it to this alley, you know, um, maybe they might say yes. It's an alleyway. You know, people throw their trash out there. What What is the significance? Why is it important to, you know, put art on the walls and, you know, clean it up? That sort of thing. Right. Like character well, to neighbor, it, you know? it started organically, to be honest. Um, I just noticed that on any given day, so many people are walking through the alley. And as the art started going up, people were stopping, taking pictures, um enjoying the alley you know and it just was kind of like this outside art gallery only it was an alley and um i just kind of started thinking like wow if we can just clean this up a bit i wasn't even thinking you know way ahead of time i was just thinking how about we just sweep it up get the trash bins like 
pulled back a little bit and get more art up, it would be a great point of pride, you know. Um, and I have a lot of pride for downtown Phoenix. I've been in downtown Phoenix for pretty much all my life. That's what and, I was going to ask you because on the grid, our point is to put out good vibes for Phoenix and show what's going on there that's really positive. Because you hear people that don't live in Arizona or anything like that that talk right. trash about Arizona and Phoenix and whatnot. And so um, I think I enjoy talking to you because I feel like you have – like you said, you you want downtown Phoenix to be a point of pride, and you grew up here, right? I grew up here. Yes. You went to Carl Hayden High School, so yes. you've lived here your whole life, right? Yes. Um, why is making Phoenix better important to you? Well, uh, for one, it's just my home, and I'm really entrenched in the art scene, whether it's music or murals or or local artists. Um, I've just always been involved that way. I, I feel I'm an artist myself. And um, I think Phoenix is on point with the rest of the world when it comes to DJs, when it comes to producers, when it comes to art. And yet we simply seem to always stay behind the curve. And the only way it seems like any artist that can make it is by leaving our city. Um, many big DJs now, one of, the, one of the highest paid DJs in the world, Marcus Schultz, born and raised in Arizona. You know, one of the biggest muralists in the world, El Mac, Arizona. You know, I mean, I, we can go on and on with this. And where did they go? Z Trip, Arizona. You know, Z -trip, yeah. you know, and, and they left. They all left. Yeah. You know, and I ain't gonna lie either. In two thousand one, I made my left. I, I mean, I left. Yeah. You know, and I tried to make it out there. Right. Um, it wasn't really my my thing. I loved my home, and I thought, oh, you know, I'm gonna come back and make Phoenix just help yeah, it. Yeah. What do you, I think that is important? Um, I think a lot of people do go away, but I think a lot of people do come back, right. um, and they bring positive things back. What, what maybe a couple things that you brought back? Work ethic. Um, when I moved to L.A., you know, you're fighting against 10 times more people, you know, and it's do or die out there. And I held my own out there, to be honest. Unfortunately, I left in 2001, uh, a week right before 9-11 hit. Oh and God. so the music industry kind of took a crash at that point, just like almost a lot of other things did at that time. And this was also right at the time records were switching to MP3s, and I didn't really understand that market it was a weird very time, well. Yeah. yeah, so I owned record labels. I was a producer. I did that whole thing, you know, and uh, it just wasn't a viable money-making option anymore. But uh, So it was either get a job in L.A. or move back to Phoenix and continue DJing and promoting, and that led me to owning the clubs, which right. led me to this project that I'm on now. Wow. Well, so, and go back a little bit further. Uh, um, you were involved in kind of like the hip-hop breakdance scene in the 80s here in yeah. Phoenix, right? Yeah. How did you get involved with that? The school that I was going to, Carl Hayden, was uh, a, a hotbed for young breakers. And I just loved the culture. You know, it was uh, everywhere I went, it was happening. Uh, the graffiti went along with it. You know, the, the tagging went along with it. The dressing, the music, the hip-hop culture. It was just all around. And I, I was, I really love, I still do love the early 80s and 90s hip-hop culture. I don't really like where hip-hop's at now. But, um, so I kind of just wanted to be involved in the breakdance uh, scene. And I couldn't breakdance. So I've always been a big kind of burly guy. Um, and I'm just not coordinated that way. But I could offer... What I felt at that time was I wanted to be a DJ. I could, offer, I could offer the music to them. And so that's kind of what I did. I 
kind of joined a little crew, if you will. And you actually had dance parties in your driveway? Well, they would come. Well, the, the, the little crew that I belonged to, if you will, uh, would come and practice in my driveway because okay. uh, I had a big driveway. And um, I could also drive at the time. So I would drive <laughs> around to different battles and stuff like battle other crews. But that's how I kind of got my chops and my early starts as far as a DJ, you know. So and you DJs for? Do you still DJ? I still DJ. Okay. Yeah, every Saturday night. Okay, and yeah. you've been and you've obviously been doing that for a number of decades here. At Phoenix. Yeah, uh, thirty-eight years now. And I now bring that forward to Bar Smith and how yeah. you because you you own Bar Smith and so how did you you DJ at Bar Smith for yeah. a while? Obviously. Yeah, that's how that's how I became one of the owners. Okay. I'm sorry, thirty-one years I've been DJing. Yeah. Um, I'm forty-eight years old now. Uh, Sean Badger, my partner, uh, and I at the time uh, approached Bill Smith uh, just to do a night Bill on the Smith rooftop. Bill Smith was the owner of the... Bill Smith was owner of Bar Smith at that time. And Bar Smith hadn't even opened yet. We were DJing at a club next door to Bar Smith called Burn. We had a Sunday night and we saw some construction inside the building next door. Sean went over and came back and said, Petey, we have a new night starting next Saturday on the rooftop. I'm like, oh, did you work a deal out? He's like, no, we'll work it out later. And I'm like, okay. A week later, we're on the rooftop, you know, and we had 38 people or something like that up there. And it started. And it, uh, actually coming up um, at the beginning of April is our ninth anniversary. Oh. So it's Bar Smith's ninth year, and it's Solstice's ninth year. Solstice is the name of the night that we started. Right. Yeah. And so Bar Smith has been in existence for nine years. A couple years later, uh, Bill Smith offered us a number uh, to be, if we came up with that number price wise, he would sell the club to us. And so we did. We ended up uh, scratching and borrowing and doing everything we possibly could. And so uh, three years after we entered Bar Smith, we, be we owned it. Cool. Which led to owning the next club, Monarch Theater, a year later. So. What do you like about downtown Phoenix? You live there, obviously. Yeah, I, that I've, I mean, I like downtown because... I mean, it's come a long way. It's It has, and I've seen it go in cycles. I've seen it almost make it and then, you know, become a graveyard again. And uh, But this time, I think it's, it's got a... Got over the hump, you think? It got over the hump. I mean, it. you know, there's some good and bad things about it. You know, there's always going to be that gentrification going on. There's all, you know, the corporates come in. Uh, it's, 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 it's a classic case where the artists turn it into a cool place exactly. and then the money takes over and pushes the artist out it's, it's like an it's like currently obvious happening. cycle you know what it, I mean? yeah like, but yeah it, it, it and then the artist will move to another section and then the of artist town. And, yeah exactly same thing will happen yep so and i see that going on right now because i've lived down there for so long you know so. uh one last thing um so speaking of which where do you see phoenix five ten twenty years or where do you see it and where do you want it to be you know yeah uh, wow, I mean, if you would have asked me that 20 years ago, I would have never guessed that it would have been what it is now. I mean, because I just, a lot of times I don't do things with much vision. I just do, you know, and then everything happens organically. And it just so happens that I'm lucky enough to be at the primordial fireball of things happening, you know. And it turns uh, out good. And it turns out good. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I've had many failures too, you know, but I can't tell you how many uh, nights I've started that have di didn't work out or how many things i've got into that just didn't work but you know that's the nature of the business you've got to swing the bat as many times as you can you know um but in 20 years from now wow uh 
I don't know. I I mean, I'll say their name. I don't like saying their name very much, but Red Development has a giant hold on downtown, and they're just building and building and building. And I think I read one section where their motto is to take over and build, you know, um, unless... Uh, and that's something you don't want to see? I, I Well, I mean, I would love to see a symbiotic relationship, you know, but I just wish that uh, some of the smaller businesses would have a chance. And, and I hope that somewhere along the line, the city of Phoenix preserves and, and says to the corporate, keep your hands off. We need these little guys, you know, let them thrive. That's part of what makes a, a I, I don't like this word, a vibrant downtown, you know, it's a it's, bit overplayed. Yeah. yeah, it is. But, uh, but yeah, it fits for this, you know, I mean, it needs to, it, the small mom and pops need to be there. So uh city of Phoenix, right? Um, Hold off on the money grab, right? And but I, I think it's going to be. I, th I think Phoenix is going to be a really big. Uh, you know, we want to be a big city, but yet you have to accept some of the bad that goes along with a big city. If you go to L.A., people complain about the parking, but that's a big city, and so we're already seeing that happening in downtown Phoenix. And I don't darn parking I, meters. Yeah, I pers I personally don't complain about it because I lived in L.A. and I right, know what it's like. To, yeah. You know, it's just you want a big city. All right, here you go. You know. That's just part of the pros and cons of having yeah, a, a big it's the evolution. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks for coming on, Pete. Appreciate it. Oh, no, I appreciate we'll it. Stay Thank in touch. You. We'll see how the project goes. Good deal. Thank you. Cool. Here at On The Grid, we see the best in Phoenix. And how lucky are we to have similarly-minded folks on our second episode? These folks are working with my previous guest to make his back alley come alive. Ryan Tempest and Quinn Wesson founded the group This Could Be Phoenix. The purpose is to bring community engagement and urban awareness to downtown Phoenix. That is to say, think about Central Phoenix... Maybe you're strolling through Indian Steel Park and wondering why you have to walk a quarter mile to exit the park. Or maybe you're riding your bike along the Arizona Canal and think, wow, why have we not utilized all these waterways to bring some character to our city? Well, that's where the group This Could Be Phoenix comes in. Ryan and Quinn formed the group to spark an optimistic conversation about reimagining our city's future. These guys are brewing with ideas and are about to see some tangible results with this new alley activation project. Unfortunately, Ryan Tempest was unable to join us today, but Quinn Wisson is here with us. Quinn, tell us a little bit about this project. Well, we like to call it an urban awareness group and also community engagement group. So we're based in downtown Phoenix, and really it's all about promoting a smart growth of Phoenix and also to kind of encourage an urban development. So I think for a long time, you know, Phoenix has been developed in a, a sprawl way where we're just reaching out into the corners of our land use. But really, how can we centralize that and create a place that people want to stay, want to live, work and play? Uh, so really, really, we're a group that's helping to encourage that through engaging the community on social media, creating events, putting out projects to help people envision the future of Phoenix. Uh, so we're really just a community-driven group having really a fun time trying to get Phoenix to be a great city. So in addition to the um, Alley Project, um, what are some more uh, specific things that you guys are working on and would like to see be implemented in the future? 
Yeah, so we have a couple different buckets we focus on. So we have these things called Envision projects. Uh, so these are, you know, kind and of that's a, the alley, the alleyway. Yeah, which is one of those, right? yeah. So that's okay. where it really started. Right. Uh, well, actually, I mean, we've been doing these for a while, but the alley is an Envision project. So an Envision project really is showing what we would like the future of Phoenix to actually look like. So I think, you know, I'm a designer, so a lot of times you need to show a client a logo draft before they even know what they want. Right. Well, same thing goes with city creating. You know, you want to show what could be the vision of this empty lot, this vacant building, or whatever it is, this block, and say, this is what we can do, this is what we can make, and then get people to give feedback. So we've done things like show a grocery store in the old Circles Records buildings, because we thought it was a great location, and it'd be a great spot, especially since we don't have a grocery store. Um, and then other things like streetscapes, planting trees, creating bike lanes. So we actually create these renderings and these visions to show people what the future can be and then get the community feedback to hopefully then maybe spur an idea, make a connection and maybe even make it happen. So you and your uh, partner, Ryan Tempest, Yeah. You uh, what can you guys, what experiences and tools do you have that you can bring to the table to do things like that? Well, Ryan's an architect, so he does the crazy awesome visualizations that are on our website. Um, so he actually has the tools to envision something from nothing. And then in terms of kind of what I do, I'm more on the marketing end of things. So we come up with the idea, but you know, what's what's that Zen thing? Like if you if a tree falls in the forest and no one hears it, did it really happen? Well, if you publish a piece of content or you have a vision, but you don't share it with anyone, then who cares? So my job is really to reach the community, engage them, get these ideas out there and see what they think. So that's my background, the marketing and the design. Um, so I built the website and I, I run all of our social media. So and we so, kind of complement each other in that you way. You said getting it out there is done through your website, largely. Largely, yes. yeah. Well, we have our website. It has Which a blog. www.thiscouldbephx.com. Okay. It's the hip way to say Phoenix. <laughs> Everybody's doing it, yeah. <laughs> Everyone's doing it. So yeah, we have our, our website, which is really our home base. But then we also have Facebook and we also have Instagram. Facebook is really our, our where we have most of our engagement. So that's really where I push it out and have that community back and forth. And you also have uh, public meetings, community meetings, mm, right? Yeah. What are, what's, what's an example of something that you might do? Uh, well, that? we have more events and we attend okay. public meetings, but the gotcha. ones we actually put on, we, we put on, you know, a walk, a downtown walk to show people all the developments happening in downtown. We've done a film series where we show a documentary on a certain topic about urban life or urban development. And then we have a, you know, a community panel. And then what else have we done? Oh, we, now we do happy hours, actually, which is really fun because um, it's kind of re-engaging the people that are within our network and then also bringing new people into the fold because really that's the goal is we want to have a great city of people that are invested in the community. So we want to keep bringing more and more into the network, into the fold that are, are like-minded. And you've had pretty decent uh, um, response to that. You know, yeah. Right. Because that's how I heard. I mean, I mean, I saw your Facebook page and uh, website, and um, you've got a, a decent amount of followers. So it yeah. sounds like things are going good, and in, in, in terms of getting people getting the word out, so to speak. Yeah, we actually hit over four thousand likes right. for you know two of us doing this on our spare time. Right. It's yeah. it's going pretty well, and I just think that's a testament to people being excited about the future of Phoenix. Which honestly, growing up here, people could care less like I I left I hated Phoenix right so and um Ryan grew up here too as well right no he's actually from Michigan oh, Michigan yeah right. he's so, from Detroit where did the idea of this could be Phoenix come from 
Well, it first started with Ryan. So we were, I think, talking on the phone one day and he said, wouldn't it be cool if we had an urban awareness group where I think he even said, let's go to the suburbs and teach kids about living in an urban city. I'm like, okay, <laughs> okay, whatever. Um, but then there, there's a street, Second Avenue, just I think south of Roosevelt. And at the time there were three or four vacant houses. And of course there's the, you know, the chain link fence, which we see all the time around the area. So he said, wouldn't it be cool if we created a banner of, you know, activating those houses as a coffee shop, as a, a residential home or something else, and then hang it so that anyone passing by would know that this is the vision for these houses. I said, okay, well that's great, but how many people actually go on the street and that we can reach with this message. So let's make it bigger. So he had the original idea. I said, let's make it bigger. And my background's in the marketing, especially internet marketing, web design. So I said, let's create a whole platform and get this out there. So that's really where it came from. And then we came up with Envision projects. We have a blog, we tell stories, and then we built a Facebook. So it kind of happened organically, honestly. It doesn't sound like it was, I mean, like you said, organically, not a whole lot of quote-unquote work went into it it just no there was a lot of work okay. I remember we would meet up at Lux huh? um like every weekend for a couple of months building it during the summer that year and then we launched it September and um, so there was a mm-hmm. bunch of work to think through what's our vision what do we want to do and honestly that's changed over the past couple of years but it was just enough work to say let's not just do this fun little thing let's try to make something that actually helps change our city cool and then the alleyway activation project downtown. Where did that come from? The very beginning. The very for beginning. You, well, for that you guys. one's exciting. I think that came from one of our events, actually, okay. which was a film series. So Pete Salas, who's the owner of Monarch and Bar Smith downtown, he's an awesome dude. Um, he came to that film series and approached Ryan after and said, "Hey, you know, I, I own these clubs, and behind us is this alley." And it's amazing. They have all this artwork. They have these muralists that are coming in and creating this great piece of art. And people are going to see the art. They're taking their wedding photos in there. They're having little tourist groups come and see the art. He said, but, you know, the alley's stinky and the alley's kind of uneven to walk on. And it's not so fun. So could we do something like an Envision project like we do on our website and actually show what the vision could be for the alley? So then we just started working with him. Ryan started working with him individually for a while. And then we started. How just, long ago was that, by the way? That was, had your film oh series, gosh, probably, roughly. probably five, five, six months ago. Okay, so it's bad. been going on for a little bit of time now. Okay. And then it just started growing and who was part of the project. So we have a core group. And then even one meeting, we were just supposed to have a meeting with our core group and like 20 people showed up that just found out about it that were somehow connected with the alley. So I think there were a lot of so eyes on demand. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then that was the cool thing was that there's so many people that were already wanting to do something or already doing something. So all we're doing, and I like to call it tactical envisioning, is that we're putting out this vision, this rendering, this this image, and then people are kind of coalescing around that and saying, how can I help? And now it's even gone up to the mayor who's publicly said, I support this, and we're working with the city to see how we can actually not just have an Envision project, but make it a reality. Any idea, estimates about cost? All, all yeah. the way through total? Or? I mean, one of our estimates was about half a million dollars. Okay. So do you have that? Uh, I'm doing a <laughs> you free contribute? podcast right now, you know? <laughs> but but uh, 
Um, I actually, I have a joke. So we just got engaged and I right. told Ryan, oh. I said, if we can raise half a million dollars by the time we get married, I want to get married in the alley. You, <laughs> well, that'd be cool. You better actually. Right? Yeah, I know. I was like, okay, so we have a year and a half to raise that much money. That's so a goal at least. It's or it's a goal. A, you gotta have it's, goals. it's a time goal at least, yeah, you, you know, to meet, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but after all is said and done, what does that alley look like? So what the alley looks like when it's done is a place where you could actually go and sit and go and enjoy the art. So it's going to have paving, not just asphalt paving like it has now with little pools of sewage and gross. It's going to be like nice paving, like a a brick paving or something interesting like that. And then we'll have lighting so you feel safe. But we want to do something artistic. So maybe working with a local artist to come up with a cool lighting fixture. And then also we want to do some seating. So we have this kind of design that would be part seating, but then it could turn into on, or it could actually be on a movable track. So if there's garbage trucks that need to come or whatever, they could be moved, but they can also be converted into green space. So like a a planter could be put on these. I I would have to show it to you. Green space being? Like a green wall, like a living wall. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, and it could gotcha. be moved and covering up the okay. utilities. I think actually the biggest thing I didn't mention is right now there's like six or seven garbage bins and they're huge and they're heavy. So that one of the biggest things for the project is actually putting those and consolidating them into two trash compactors. So that's where we are right now. We're surveying the businesses. We're working with Downtown Phoenix Inc. on surveying the businesses to see you know, how do they use the trash? How, how, what can we do to consolidate? Would they even be willing to consider that idea? Because it, it will be a different setup for them. And um, we're looking at bidding that out to, you know, waste management and different okay. companies. One of the things it's really that's really exciting. It's really, really <laughs> cool about this alleyway is that it's shaded. When yeah. you talk about benches and you talk about things like that. During the summer in Phoenix, it's miserable sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And this, the, the alley is it's pretty cool. much shaded all day. Um, mm-hmm. I would, I would, because it's just surrounded by concrete buildings, basically. You know yeah. I mean? Um. So that's that would be a big perk. And like you talked about, like businesses, are they all on board? Or are you still waiting for to get everybody on board? Everyone's pretty aware, and for the most part, has said I'm I'm supportive. But I I wouldn't say that we have everyone on board yet, because honestly, the biggest thing is the trash for them. That's going to affect them on a day to day basis. So when we figure that out and we have some bids, we're going to pull together a huge stakeholder meeting with everyone um, and say, you know, do you support this? Can we have your support? And then how can we help make this still work for your business? Because the trash is really the biggest thing. It's an alley after all. So it's just an alley downtown. It's a dirty, stinky alley, right? (laughs) Oh, we're going to beautify it. We're going to make it look awesome and pretty and people are going to want to hang out there. but what do you say to somebody who is just like, oh, it's just an alley big freaking deal, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's definitely people that say it should just be left as is. I'm not going to, I am I mean, I can't really argue with someone. That it's, ha- it's not a bad looking alley at this point. Right. But- no, it's beautiful. I just think that what Phoenix needs is a sense of place and a place where people can say this is a unique phoenix area so what's the harm in trying to create that 
There's plenty of other alleys in downtown if you want the dirty, stinky one. I'm not, I think the one by Valley Bar should say dirty and stinky because it's a perfect entrance to a speakeasy. But this is a great opportunity in this, in the exact location where this alley is, right? Basically parallel to the convention center, the, the stadium, the arena, cityscape. It's a place that could create a landmark for Phoenix and say, here's what we did. Here's how the community drove an interesting place and created something special that is unique to Phoenix. And what do you think your, this could be Phoenix? What is your guys' role in the coming months to a year or however long it takes to get it done? That's a good question. I mean, so far our role has been really kind of the, putting the vision out there and then also kind of bringing the resources together that we need to. Um, so we now have someone who's come on board to help project manage it. And now we're looking for someone to help with the marketing and fundraising strategy. So I think more and more, we're kind of getting to a point where we're overseeing the next steps and not exactly being directly in the next steps, but saying, okay, let's keep pushing it forward. So I think that will be our goal. And definitely our role also will be on marketing it since we have a lot of people who are supportive. Well, it sounds like. People are taking you seriously. City of Phoenix is taking you seriously. You know, they're going to listen. Well, they're obviously, they've listened to you on the alley activation. Yeah, project. they actually used so, our renderings in their slides about right. alley activation. So that was so cool. So a lot of that, I mean, part of that is just building your reputation and, and mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, and the city's been supportive. And I think that's really cool that we have people within our government that want to see positive change for downtown Phoenix, but also for Phoenix in general. I think we're seeing such a shift in how people interact with their cities nationwide and mm-hmm. even worldwide. And I, I think it's it's slowly, not slowly, I think there's many people within our city that are responding to that and understanding it. So it's, it's our job really to be advocates from the community saying, let's keep going further. I mean, you guys are all about envisioning. So what is like, what do you see Phoenix? What do you envision for Phoenix 10, 20, 30 years down the road? Mm. I. It's funny you ask that because a couple of friends lately have been going out to the bars that have been opening because there's been a lot of opening um, in downtown. They're playing Pac-Man, aren't they? At a probably at Cobra. Cobra. Yeah. But the funny thing is that many people like individually have said, can you believe we actually have to wait in line now? And it, these are people that have been living here, kind of like working and being community advocates to, for making downtown Phoenix a great place. And they're saying, what? We've been doing we're all this work to make Phoenix great, and now we have to wait in a line? Like we kind of, you know, did what we said we were going to do. And so I guess to answer your question, I I would think it would be a place, specifically downtown Phoenix, where you could choose to live, work, and play all within a short distance of one another. And I think a big thing that comes into play is being able to do that without a car. I think that's what all great cities are. They're walkable, they're bikeable, they're transit-oriented And I think, you know, we're moving in that direction, but more and more I like to see actual families choosing to live downtown more than just millennials and boomers and and having a place that's really rich and fun and exciting to be and also a place that you're going to choose to live and also choose to visit. I think that's the thing is, you know, when I wanted to move to San Francisco, well, why can't I create a place that I would actually want to visit and want to live in here? Cool. Well, thank you. so much for joining us yeah um and we'll definitely look forward to hearing more from you cool thank you so much
Thanks for listening to the show. On the Grid is produced by Chris Ayers. Intro music was performed by local band Factories. They can be reached at factoriesmusic.com. Sticking with our theme of local, we will feature a different local band at the end of every show. And this week, that band is Future Kind. And by the way, uh, remember how I mentioned in the stale news that the Rebel Lounge had to be closed because of a fire and water damage? Well, Future Kind show was canceled because of that. So uh, people do not start fires at music venues. Don't worry. Future Kind's next show is March 14th at Rips. They are opening for Burt Palms. And Future Kind can be reached at futurekind.net. And if you want to reach us, we can be found at onthegridphx.com or email us at podcast at onthegridphx.com. And until next time, thanks for joining us for On The Grid.